Good morning, Crossbridge family, and welcome to Crossbridge Online. It is so good to be with you this morning. And if you are a guest with us this morning, I especially want to welcome you from wherever it is that you are watching from and just say thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. And I want you to know that my hope for you is the same as it is every single week for everybody who joins into our services and our time together, and that's simply this. No matter where you find yourself in your faith today, I hope and I pray that you will take one step towards Jesus because that is what we are all about here. Now, I will be honest with you as a church and as a family that uh, 2021 did not necessarily unfold in the way that I would expect it to or had hoped, both on um, you know the state, the country, the world, and even on a very personal level. It's just felt um, very topsy-turvy for me personally. And as I've thought about that, I have to tell you that I am reminded more and more through the series that we're going through now, the 40 days of prayer, and, and through my time in the Word of God, that while the world around me just feels like a complete mess, the only constant that I have found is my faith in an unchanging, ever-present Lord of all creation. And as we approach our series and our topic for today in our 40 days of prayer, I, I really... I really want to encourage you that everything we are doing is so that we can find a deeper, more intimate, and firmer foundation to start with, with how we connect with God. And I recognize that over the last two weeks, I have really pushed our church and our community, our family, pretty hard. Um, maybe a little harder than normal, since I already know I like to kind of press us a little. But um, I want to remind you and encourage you with a great promise that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome before we ever kind of dive into topic and everything like that. I just want to affirm you and bless you with the same words of the Apostle Paul. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And this is a huge truth that we are going to have to cling to, especially because as I've pushed you, I recognize week one we talked about this holiness of God and, and this prophet Isaiah who saw God and basically had a mental breakdown and was like, I'm a mess, right? And last week we talked about these very, very strong letters that Jesus wrote to very specific churches saying, guys, things are off and you need to get this right and repent. And, and I've kind of built up this pile of garbage and stuff in front of us in light of who God is. And I realize that as we go through this stuff together, as we look at what Scripture has to say about all this stuff, it's really easy to begin to beat ourselves up, to look at the pile and say, man, I really am a mess, and to get overwhelmed at the sheer amount of ick in our life that's in between God and in between us. And I don't know about you, but it just feels like trying to live a life like Jesus is exhausting. It's tiring. And I know this, it might not connect up front, but as I've thought about this, it reminds me of um, you know, recently, recently, nothing is recent in 2020 and 2021, it feels like. Um, the last time that I was able to take my family, we decided to go to 
Florida to go to Universal Studios. And I tend to be a pretty cheap person when it comes to those types of trips. So we decided we would drive down to Florida. And I don't know if you've ever made that trip, but I always start trips like that very hopeful. I know how many miles it's gonna take. I know how many hours it's gonna take to get there. Um, I, I try to anticipate as much as I can and we usually leave after a long day of work. Both my wife would work, I would work so we can get those last things in and then jump in the car with everything, pack it up and drive through the night because there's no better time to travel with kids than at night because hopefully they sleep. And so I, I quickly get ready, we get into the car and it's very, very quickly that I remember how much I hate, I hate Baltimore and DC traffic and there's, there's no way to get around the construction that always seems to be happening. If I go south, I feel like I'm going up to 295 where the 42, 676, 76 construction is. And I'm like, yeah, that might be done 2040 is what this feels like. It's ridiculous. But every time I go south, Baltimore and DC feel the same exact way. But usually I sit there and I'm like, there's no ways around this. I can't do anything and I'm stuck. I, I, I don't know what to do. So we get through and I do what I know how to do best is push through. So I grab a five hour energy. Do you ever pound these things before? They're great if you just got to push through. So I, I push through. And as I push through, it's, it's usually seven or eight when we're leaving. Now I'm having this, you know, somewhere in the middle of that time. Could be 2 a.m. if you're getting through DC, I don't know. But I take this, I'm really excited and I'm ready to go. My kids start to fall asleep, here we're going. I forgot how long Virginia is. It's like 7,000 miles of darkness, country music stations, and everyone's asleep. There's nothing to do but drive and get distracted by hoping a car comes by and realizing uh, then you're trying to monitor speed. Am I going to beat the time, not beat the time? And by the time you get into Georgia, the sun might start to come up and, and you're really tired. So maybe after your first five hour energy, you grab, you grab the five hour energy extra strength, which is like six hour energy. I, I don't know how you get extra five where that comes in, but they have it. So, so you, you, you do it again. And now all I have is getting into Orlando and finding the spots. And even though we've shown up to the destination and I'm excited to pretend to be a wizard with my kids and, you know, go on roller coasters by myself, I am always physically, mentally, and emotionally wiped out when I'm there. I'm not present with my family for the first bit. And I understand over the last two weeks that I've done a great job of saying, we're going to Universal. We're going to connect with God through prayer. But at the same time, I've set this destination of Jesus at the center of our lives. But I, I also revealed that there's an absurd amount of construction. There are unseen traffic stops that we didn't know. And part of this journey is unbelievably dark and lonely sometimes with no one awake around us. And the only thing we hear is our own thoughts. I've given us a spiritual direction and the mistake that I believe that most of us make as followers of Jesus 
is that we think that we can just keep pounding five-hour energies spiritually all the time to get through all of this stuff that's in front of us, that we can push through on our own strength and willpower. We might, we might pound a Sunday sermon thinking, I, I did it. That's going to get me through this week. We might maybe go to a small group gathering and think, that's enough to keep me going. Maybe, just maybe, we'll even open up the Bible app to see the verse of the day because we're sure that that will speak to us in its one verse context, right? We, we take these little doses to push us through, but we still feel exhausted, depleted, and we hear that voice that keeps reminding us of how much garbage there really is. And when we look at that table, that voice continues to say, you don't have what it takes to be a good Christian. I will tell you to a degree that voice is very accurate. We don't have what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. We, we don't have enough strength to do that. We do not have enough willpower to do that. But what that voice never tells you is the full truth. And the full truth is that we weren't designed to live life by ourselves and on our own power. Instead, we have an unending source of strength and endurance who empowers us in our everyday life to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and to continue to step towards him every single day. This gift, this person is the Holy Spirit who Jesus Christ promises us in John chapter 16, he actually promises the disciples, but that promise is for us today. And the question that I really want to address as we continue in this series together is, really, are we living our lives more on our own strength and willpower or through the power and strength of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us? And practically, how do you know the difference? How do I know when I'm powering through because of the Holy Spirit and on my own? And luckily, the Apostle Paul answers these exact questions to a church who was pushing so hard, and it follows the encouragement that I gave you to start about no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So in your Bibles with you this morning, I would love for you to turn to the letter to the Romans, written by the Apostle Paul. It'll be um, just a little beyond three quarters of the way through your Bible, and we are going to be in chapter 8. If you've never read this scripture before in this letter, I need to tell you this is one of the most theologically concentrated letters that Paul has ever written to a church. It has so much content that, that what we go over today, I don't have the hours or to unpack, or days or months to unpack just the handful of verses we're going to look at. So again, like last week, there may be this longing inside of you to go, wait, 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 I want to know more about that. I totally get it because since the beginning of January, every day I've been in this book reading it over and over and over and cannot get enough. And up front, I should tell you, as we look at this, if I get all squeaky, squeaky and excited, I'm not even sorry about it because this is changing my life. And I want to invite you into this, a, a life filled with power and authority that could only come from the Holy Spirit. So we're going to do this. Are you ready? If you're ready, go ahead and just in those comments, give me an amen. Give me a hands up. If you're at our watch party at the Classy Cow, 
I'm with you. Give me an amen so I know we're going to do this together. We're in Romans chapter 8, and let's buckle up. This is the Word of God. Let's look at the first four verses. It says this, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. This is awesome, isn't it? There's so much here. Um, but there's a couple key takeaways I want to point you to, if that's okay. Um, when we look at this passage, we have to understand that there are, there's a battle over the control of our life. Who controls our life really matters. And this battle that goes on for who controls us, it is the power of sin and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we talk about sin at Crossbridge, we just simply define this as anything that we think we say we do that displeases God, any action or behavior in our life that does not line up with living, loving, and looking like Jesus Christ. If it doesn't line up there, we're out. This is sin. And so these two powers at work in our life or at battle in our life, sin and the Holy Spirit, have two very different outcomes according to this passage. If you look, one of them in verse 2, the power of sin is going to lead to death. But the power of the Holy Spirit leads to a very different direction, which we're going to look at in our next section. Paul goes on in verse 3, and he mentions um, the law of Moses. This is a, a reference to the first five books of the Old Testament. It's called the Pentateuch. It's um, a beautiful series of books that is the, the Jewish people would hold to for their laws, their rules, and their regulations. And it basically helped them understand how to follow God as his chosen nation. It's what the Jews clung to. But what Paul reminds this church with Jews and Gentiles, non-Jews, all in the same church, is the law of Moses is not enough to save you. All these rules and regulations, you cannot be victorious because you're going to see all these things. You're never going to be able to accomplish all of this. You will always have, like we've talked about, all this construction in the way because the more you read it, the more you realize how you're not living up to it. And so it's going to lead you to a point of death. It actually revealed how we couldn't hit this mark of perfection, and that's why there's so many laws about sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. But it's the end of verse 3 that changes everything for us. The end of verse 3, it just simply says, so God did what the law could not do. 
So God did what the law could not do. And, and I don't know who is listening today, but I truly believe in the depths of my soul that someone here needs that encouragement in that word from the Lord today, that God can do what the law cannot do. There are certain things that are weighing you down so much right now, and you're thinking, there's just no hope for me. I can't do this. And I want to tell you that voice is not the voice of God because this tells us that, that God can do what the law could never do. And it's not condemn us. It's not shame us. It's not show us how horrible we are, but it's to invite us into a different kind of life and faith. We tried to do so much on our own and here the law of Moses points it out. Church, Rome, if you get caught in all of this, you're going to be in trouble because it's going to lead to death. But, but God did something for you before he even knew who you were, and it all started with his son. All of our hope in this passage revolves around his son, Jesus Christ, who because, if you look at it, because of his sinless life and death, he defeated What's the major word here? The control that our sinful nature has over us. The battle that happens without Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, our sinful nature always wins. Always wins, which leads to death. But God did what the law couldn't do. He gave his son to you and I as a sacrifice to cover the just penalty of sin and say, this is not your owner anymore. This is no longer the controller of your life. He declared an end. How great is that? He declared an end to the control that sin has over our life. If you are a church person and you know it, this is an amen moment, okay? If you have experienced the, the beauty of that sin has no control over you, that's an amen moment. Amen simply is, I agree. This is everything for us as disciples of Jesus. But it sets up what's even bigger. Actually, I, I should probably say this up front, and um, it might throw some of you off. I, I don't know that, uh, I don't know that we like that all the time because we like laws. And now you're thinking, I don't like laws. I just want to do whatever I want to do. No, no, we don't. We like laws. We like having guidelines and regulations. We actually look for those most of the time because they're great measurement tools. They're great measurement tools to know, did I check the box? Did I do the things? If I'm trying to go that direction, did I do all the right things to do that? Have I behaved the correct way? And when we begin to do this, we have these laws that are standards that we aim for. And with this law of Moses, everybody in the church and you and I are part of this. We like to know that we've done so many good things because whether we choose to actually verbally admit it or not, we feel like God loves us more the more good things we do. We end up checking the boxes of, yes, I read. Yes, I did. Yes, I went. When... In that case, we've never really addressed our heart because the law gives us a bounded set of rules to hold to. And the truth is that's what religion looks like. Rules and regulations to do, to be good. But what we're going to see in this next section, in this next passage, is that rules and regulations are not the same as faith and freedom. 
Rules and regulations are not the same as faith and freedom. And so Paul keeps going. You ready for this? I'm going to get pumped. We're going to go to verse 8 together, starting in verse 5. It says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. I'm about to get excited, because this, this right here is all the victory. This right here we could easily camp in all the rules and regulations, right? We could sit in religion or we could choose to embrace and walk in a completely different way how we live life. And, and if you look at this, Paul gives us the clearest litmus test to figure out, am I walking in my sinful nature? Is it my own strength and willpower that I'm pushing through life or is it through the Holy Spirit? There's a very clear litmus test and, and if you look here, in verse 5, it points us to our thoughts. Our thoughts are the litmus test. What we think about really matters. It really matters whether we say it or not. It doesn't matter what we think about is the litmus test. Here, he just reminded them, listen, you got the law of Moses. You've got all these rules and regulations that you're doing and everything in your power, you're investing to obey and behave correctly. If you ever look through those laws, it is do's and don'ts. It is things that you could check off. But those laws never address the root issue of our heart and our motives. When Jesus re he gave that Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, he no longer talks about behaviors, but he goes at the heart of what we are feeling and thinking our motive behind what we do. Paul is talking here about living life for Jesus on the next level. And he says, listen, if you are controlled by the sinful nature, your mind will be thinking about sinful things. If you're constantly thinking about the laws and how you measure up, you'll always be less than. You'll always be defeated. You will always fall short. And this, we read, leads to defeat and to death. I was um, hanging out with a former student of mine who's a phenomenal artist at his art studio. Um, I think it was about two years ago. And I was sitting as a model for him. And I know this is what a model looks like, right? Um, they were looking for people just to sit in so they could do practicing on face portraits. So not the prettiest face to paint, but Maybe that gave him a challenge. Um, he was hanging out with all his peers and they were kind of taking like two or three hours to do this session. And there was a master painter who was their teacher who would continue to walk behind and kind of give some correction. And he would kind of help guide them in what they were doing. And most of the things that he was saying did not necessarily make sense to me. So I just kind of sat there and smiled and uh, I, I not smiled, I stayed straight and just kind of let them do their thing. After the class, um, 
I kind of went up to the teacher and I said, listen, like, tell me a little bit about what you were saying there. What were you teaching them? And he said, oh, these are all my advanced students. Like uh, what I was teaching them, I wouldn't teach normally for other people. Um, with my beginning classes, I go through all the basics with them. I teach them exactly what they need to do. And most of the time, uh, they're freaking out about it. And I was like, really? Tell me about that a little bit. And he said, they're so concerned with maintaining the rules and regulations of art, of maintaining the guidelines that we've set up and doing it right, that most of the time, um, it's really hard for them to internalize it. My advanced students have already internalized all that, so I'm no longer teaching them the same things. And I just sat back and I was like, this is crazy. And as I talked to my friend, I said, what's the difference between these two classes? And he said, well, when you start, every time you make a mistake, you throw that out. Every time you make a mistake on that board, you start over again because it just wasn't good enough. But you begin to realize with the older students, the more mature students, the students who have embraced these lessons that are no longer lessons for them, they're their lifestyle. And the teacher had piped in and said, my best advanced students know when they mess up, but they know how to adjust the work because they know how they got there. And I stopped and I thought, one set is consumed with the rules while the others feel free to work. One set can't handle a mistake and feels like they need to reset while the other is free to work the mistake into the bigger picture because it's an oil painting, it's in process. When Paul talks to the church in Rome, the alternative to a life lived where you're ready to restart all the time because you failed once again, a mistake that a box you didn't check happened and now you're just no good and you'll never do it. Instead of that, the alternative he offers is verse six where he says, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Letting the spirit control your mind, Crossbridge family leads to life and to peace. This is the outcome of a Holy Spirit empowered life. This is it. But for some reason, so many disciples of Jesus hold the Holy Spirit at arm's length. We never let him close enough to our hearts and our minds to really impact who we are at the core of our being. We, we kind of say, yeah, I'm gonna accept Jesus as my savior, but Holy Spirit, you stay there. I, I believe that you give gifts, but you could give it from over there. I believe in the Trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but you stay over there. We never invite him to dwell in us and change the way we think. It's pretty clear to me, if our mind is constantly running then, a list of where we've messed up, the boxes we haven't checked, and the laws that we haven't obeyed, those are not the thoughts of the Spirit, according to this passage. Those are the thoughts of our sinful nature. When we're constantly trying to start over from scratch to follow Jesus. But a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit will think about these same mistakes, because make no mistake, they exist. 
in those who are empowered by the Spirit and those who try to do it in their sinful nature. The garbage is still there. The mound of things on the table between us and God, the traffic, the cones, it's all there. But the difference of an empowered Holy Spirit life is that we remember Romans 8.1, that there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. And when we look at that pile, we don't say, that's how bad I am. But we say, this is what God has to work with. Okay. And we then yield our mind to the Holy Spirit and we say, where do you want to start? Where do you want to go? And instead of going to Universal right off the bat and sitting in traffic, he says, actually got a little detour. You're going to think it's a waste of time, but it's going to impact everything down the road. But we don't want to do that. We know better. We'll push through. I can do it on my own. Do you notice, though, that what, what Paul is saying here when we yield our lives to the Holy Spirit? It allows us to not focus so much on our behavior, but on our thoughts and our heart, conforming our core, our soul, to the person of Jesus Christ, to truly living like him. Now, it's a lot harder to judge someone, isn't it? It's a lot harder to judge. I mean, you, let's just be real. You could see what I'm doing, um, which, it, don't get me wrong, our works are a very important outwork or, uh, outcome of our faith. They just are. We should be behaving differently. There's no doubt. But, but you, you may see what I'm doing, but you have no idea what I'm thinking. I, I may be serving others, sure, but is it out of fear of the law or is it out of fear of disappointing God or trying to win his approval? Or am I doing it because I see a need and I feel the life of the Holy Spirit empowering me to step in? It's the same action. But you might just be asking then, like, does it really matter if the job gets done? Because that's how we work in America, right? Job got done. That's enough. And I would say, yes, it really matters why we do what we do. It matters more than you can imagine. If we're just checking off boxes, we will continue to look at that mountain of sin in our life. And, and we will continue to pound these as much as we can to get through will be fried, exhausted, and probably frustrate the garbage out of the people around us. Wondering, is this what a Christian looks like? Why are they so mean? We will be cynical and sour. We will be defeated and disheartened. We will be present with no presence. And if I'm really being honest today, Crossbridge, I, I, I think... I think, I think this is the way a lot of Christians look. We show up to places and they say, that's what a Christian looks like. They look haggard. They look destroyed. Why, why do they just complain about the traffic? We're all in it. And it's because we are trying to do what we could never do on our own. We push through. But if we are empowered with the Holy Spirit, we will see that same mound that same traffic, those same needs and sins that are there. And instead of downing these energy things, we gather the courage to dive in and we submit our mind to the Spirit. Where do you want me to go? We recognize the road is long, 
but that there's no condemnation. We recognize there will always be something on the table until our very last breath. When in perfection, our Savior embraces us and says, Job well done, my good and faithful servant. The Holy Spirit, when we invite him to empower us, will absolutely convict us of our sin. That's what he does. But he encourages us constantly through scripture and through each other. And he will always be a voice pointing us towards the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. He is our source of peace. This presence of the Holy Spirit is our source of life. This is our source of strength. Could you imagine what life would look like for you or for us as a church if we invited the Holy Spirit to empower us to look like Jesus? Instead of the cynical, sour, defeated, disheartened, and being present with no presence, we would be grateful and grounded in Scripture. We would be victorious and hopeful. We would be a peaceful presence for the people that are around us. I think that instead of looking like the rest of Christians who look haggard, we would look like the church we're reading about in Acts, who could show up because of the power of the Holy Spirit, not because they had it and they pushed through and they did what was right, but because they yielded themselves to something they could not do, and that is live a victorious Christian life. It will only happen with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Everyday followers of Jesus changed the course of history, and that is you and that is me. I don't know about you, but when, when I make living the Christian life personally about obeying the rules and trying to tackle my own sin issues, um, I do get tired. I do pound these drinks and I need to apologize because I, I know that um, Crossbridge, I don't look like Jesus at all in those moments. But I will tell you without a shadow of a doubt, I know the peace. I know the peace that this passage talks about that could only come from the Holy Spirit indwelling in you and empowering you. I know this peace that could only come from saying, your will be done, Spirit, not mine. I know what it's like to live through the strength of the Holy Spirit and how my heart feels stronger that while 2021 has not been what I expected, it has nowhere close to shaking who I am, what I do, what I believe, or how I show up for anyone. Because I'm never going to make it through this year on my own. I didn't make it through last year. This peace, this life that the Holy Spirit brings, I tell you as a testimony, has changed the way I live every day. And I know by what I think when I'm in my own will, and when I'm in the Holy Spirit's, when I'm trying to do my own thing, and when I'm leaning on him saying, Lord, I don't have enough to do this, should I really do it? Or back off? And I listen. Crossbridge, I believe this is something you want to. Not to hear the voice of condemn condemnation, but to hear the voice of love. And that only happens when you're filled with the Spirit. And just like artwork, man, our dependence on him is going to grow. And this, the, the disciplines of reading and praying and small groups and all those things, which I believe are biblical and healthy and should be part of our development as disciples of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, it, he helps it to become much more normal in our life and, and just beautiful. And so how can we tell the difference if we're filled 
and living life in our own power, we look at our heart, we look at our mind. If it's filled with laws and check marks and defeat, you know where you are. But if it's filled with peace and strength and life, you know where you are. And we're going to be a church who loves God and loves others for the long haul. We're never going to trust. We're never going to make it on our own strength. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So today I simply want to ask you, whose strength are you trusting in today? Whose strength have you lived out this year on? And as we close this morning, I simply want to pray two prayers over you. The first one will be a prayer to invite the Holy Spirit to fill you, to empower you to live a life that you could not do, that God has said, you don't have to, I got you. And the second will be a confirmation prayer from Ephesians 3, like we have been doing. So with that in mind, Crossbridge, wherever you are today, would you stand with me as we pray together? And if if it's your desire today and you would admit, like I do many times, that I am living out of my sinful nature today and you want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the victorious, love-filled life of Jesus, I'm going to ask that you would just hold your hands out in front of you And whether it's out loud or in your hearts, I don't care. Would you just follow along and pray with me? God, I am tired. And I confess that I have been trying to live life with my own strength, through my own willpower. Holy Spirit, I need you. Would you fill me up with your power? Would you begin to transform my heart and mind to think, to love, and to look like Jesus? Thank you for your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now, our blessing from Ephesians chapter 3. Please continue standing. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of God is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to fully understand, and then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish indefinitely more than we could ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Crossbridge, I love you. Go live the empowered Holy Spirit life as disciples of Jesus. I'll see you next week.